0: back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry and ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane.
1: Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Boy, where do you start on this one? Five Grammys, two Dove Awards, and 70 million albums. Billboard's Top 50 Most Played Artists. B.J. Thomas has that rare combination of voice and song and feel that is instantly recognizable. And you're going to love hearing from him today, not just because he is a pop country and gospel music icon, but because he's still making great music with great musicians and good friends.
2: BJ Thomas in the house with the living room sessions. It's his new city with guest collaborations
0: welcome to the show bj oh beautiful i want a great song well thank you very much that's my best introduction of all time oh, <laughs> oh thank you BJ. it's great to have you
1: on the show this new cd is called living room sessions and there are hits that you've recorded before but this time you're doing it in a duets with a lot of great yeah. artists
0: yeah. yeah, well, it's our first record with this company, and they they kind of wanted to redo my greatest hits as an introduction to a newer audience and then my longtime fans. And uh, I've always resisted re-recording my songs, but uh, my wife had this suggestion of doing it in an unplugged fashion acoustically, and uh, that kind of piqued our interest. So that's how we did it. We did it just a kickback, laid-back version of, of those things, and uh, not exactly like the original was. We tried to change them up a little bit mm-hmm. to be make them a little more interesting. But we stay uh, faithful and respectful to the originals uh, a great deal, and we had a lot of fun doing it. came out very intimate and honest, and I think people will will like it.
1: Yes. Now, you've had some great people on it. Richard Marks, Keb Moe, Vince Gill, Lyle Lovett. Now, how did you pick which person for which song?
0: Well, you know, we had a wish list of guys we wanted. I got uh, Lyle on the phone. And I uh, told him what our project was, and he wanted to do raindrops because he had been the uh, he had recorded with Bert maybe years ago. Okay. So he kind of went that way. So we offered Vince to do that on. on I'm so Lonesome I could cry. But he would. He kind of picked just can't help believing, And that's kind of the way it went. R- Richard Marks had a kind of personal connection with Wrong Song. And okay. so we kind of let them have their own free will, Kibmo, let them, let them do the songs they wanted to do.
1: Now with "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head with Lyle Lovett, after singing it a certain way for so many years, was that hard to switch it up and do a duet with it?
0: No, no, it really wasn't. Uh, it was a, just a lot of fun uh, spending time with with Lyle, and and, uh, and doing the song together. So it kind of came together naturally. There wasn't anything hard about it or, or unusual to me, really. Mm-hmm.
2: I really enjoyed the Isaac Slade duet as well.
0: Oh, man, I did too. And I, I was I was familiar with uh, how good Isaac could sing. You know, we were just blown away with the soul and the passion and the depth of the feeling that he brought to I'm So Lonesome. I guess Lonesome is my favorite song that I've recorded, but I have a lot of great memories tied to that song, and I so I really respected the, how Isaac performed, and we were very lucky to get him.
2: Yeah, you two sounded really great together, I thought.
0: I so had so much fun with that. How
2: did that come about?
0: Well, one of the record company execs, one of the owners, Katie Gillen and Sandy Knox are the owners of the company, and they happened to see Isaac, I don't know exactly where, but they, they told him what was going on, and he said, hey, he wanted to be involved, and that's how it came about.
1: Okay, cool. Now I love this story of Sarah Nemitz and how that came about. So yeah, talk about Sarah that. Sarah
0: Nemitz is Nemitz. Just a great friend of mine and a great singer. And I met her when she was four years old. Her mother brought her to my concert, and she, you know, when I did hooked on a feeling, her. her mother was pointing at her. Oh, she can sing and yada yada. And I pulled her up on stage, and she sang with this true uh, in pitch quality voice. And then we so we kept in touch over the years, and she's. Uh, become quite an accomplished actress and singer, and she's going to be a huge celebrity, a huge star one day, I think.
1: And she did Hooked on a Feeling.
0: Yeah, we did Hooked on it. a uh-huh. Feeling, and she just really nailed it. Okay.
1: And then Vince Gill was on I Can't Help Believing. So what was that like, singing with him?
0: Yeah, I just can't help believe Vince, Vince, of course, is a longtime uh, uh, friend of mine, and uh, he we're just like brothers and uh, such a, probably the greatest country singer of all time. I've always admired and respected him. And uh, we offered him "Lonesome." He he, he picked just can't help believing. So he, okay. he had a personal connection to that, and you can tell he's deeply involved in that song. He did a great job.
1: And then, did you hear, you probably heard all of their personal stories about their connection with your songs? So I bet that was neat for you to kind of see how it had touched other very accomplished people.
0: Yeah, you know it really was because when, when you do the music, you hope it touches people, and you hope, you know, you hope a lot of good things happen to people when they hear it. But to, you know, to kind of hear it personally from people that you you have a real mutual respect for was mm-hmm. kind of an added kind of thing that made it, uh, you know, was a thrill.
1: I bet. Okay, now rock and roll lullaby. You did that with Steve Tyrell.
0: Yeah, Steve Tyrell and I were childhood buddies. We grew up together, mm-hmm. and we performed in the competing bands, or not? We didn't compete in those days, but he performed with another band. And actually, uh, he worked for Scepter Records when I was one of their artists, and he produced Rock and Roll Lullaby on me in 1972. So we kind of came full circle uh, yeah. for him to duet with me on, on mm-hmm. the Rock and that Roll That had Lullaby. to be neat, too. That was fun.
1: We have to ask a question. Who did the original background vocals on the original
0: Oh, that was uh, Darling Love and the Chiffons and the Blossoms. Okay. The two those two vocal groups did the backup on Rock and Roll Lullaby. Of course, Dwayne Eddy played on it, and uh, Barry Mann played the keyboard, and Al Gargoni played the lead guitar. So a lot, a lot of special people on that one. Oh, oh, and uh, David Somerville did the falsetto part at the end. The guy that sang Little Darling. So okay. Was, I always, always thought that was probably the, my most well-produced record of all time
2: that really was cool to have steve do a duet with you
0: yeah that was cool we kind of tied that string together nicely Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) perfect well you're listening to the mulberry lane show we're here talking with the musical icon bj thomas now you worked with producer kyle lenning Uh, and had you worked with him before or no
0: you know i never worked with him before but i i was well aware of who he was uh, with randy travis and dan seals and various people that he had recorded and recorded so many hit records and he was a very special and different kind of producer in that he was set in the studio among the band and not on the other side of the glass by the controls. So he was actually and, in and the studio with the yeah, band? He set, okay. Yeah, he sat in the studio. And as you know, if are being recording artist yourself, that's really different. Uh-huh. And it gave him just a more intimate touch with what sound was going on and how the song was going. So it really was cool. That's really different. With him.
1: Yeah. You came up at a time when artists would record all different styles of music, and they'd record with studio bands that always played together, and you would choose your songs written by other songwriters, like a stable of songwriters. So most of recording artists today, they record songs that they wrote. So do you feel like there's a place for the vocalist or song interpreter today?
0: Well, I mean, Sinatra did the same thing, and so did Elvis. So I, Mm -hmm. I think there's always going to be room for a guy who can interpret music that other people... I've written a lot of songs myself, but uh, I think there's always going to be a room for, for good singers and people could, that can interpret songs. And the, most of the time, you know, songwriters aren't great singers, so uh, uh, they need us.
2: Yeah, right, that's true. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of interpreting songs, listening to the CD, it is so refreshing because I was hearing it and thinking he just has such a sincere delivery. So how... Well, did- not- How did you develop your craft and who were your influences, and and how do you go about interpreting a song?
0: Well, what music means to me is the the emotion, and that's how I'm a product of Top 40 radios. I've always been involved in lots of different genres of music, and uh, so what makes a good song to me is just the emotion and the feeling it gives me, and and my original inspirations were Bobby Bland and Little Junior Parker and Jackie Wilson and Ray Charles and these great R&B singers, and so... Uh, and of course elvis and uh and that's kind of how my style came together and and that's the most important part of the music to me is the emotion of it
1: yes, now, when you record, do you just go with your voice where it goes at that particular take, or do you
2: how much forethought goes into right. it before you record
0: well, I don't pre-think anything when I do my performance. I let it go where it goes, and uh you know, if I feel like I've gone to the right place, well, then I'll go there. Every time. But gotcha. it, it develops over the course of the recording, and, mm-hmm. and I just I let my mind go with it. I let the feelings direct my mind. I don't try to pre-think any, any vocal technique.
1: You go more with the feeling. Yes. Yeah. Now, throughout your career, you've been on at least a dozen record labels. So as an artist, did you feel like you had to move labels to do what you wanted, or...
0: No, I I didn't feel like I had to move, but I feel like I've been very fortunate to accomplish what I've accomplished in that I never really had that right-hand man who stood uh, by me and and, uh, helped guide my career. I've always kind of had to, uh, you know, find the songs and go where I can on my own. So I've often regretted that I didn't have like a one, you know, a right-hand man like Billy Joel or James uh, Mm -hmm. Taylor or Elvis or some of these people. So I didn't have that guy, so I would go where I, I felt like I needed to go, and I, I didn't feel like I had to stay in one place all the time. Okay. Maybe I'd have been better off if I had a—I don't I don't. I don't know. It's well, done now, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: you were—there's something to be said for being your own right-hand man, which I think is what you're saying.
0: Well, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it's been—I've uh, had my lonely times, but, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I've been married to the same uh, beautiful girl for 44 years, and Gloria has been— uh, my companion and my your, guiding light. My your right-hand so woman. Help me.
1: Right. <laughs> now, with signing so many record deals, do you have any important advice for an artist that they should have in their recording contract that you learned?
0: Well, you know, the main thing is to read the contract yourself and have a lawyer read it. And always make sure that you know what's in the contract. Because a lot of times uh, an artist will sign a contract just to, to record and he'll be obligated to do things that he would never have done uh, mm-hmm. if he had read the contract so this be, be careful and business is business music is music but you, you've got to do the business right so you can do the music you want to do that's
1: nice that's, that's, that's a good, good quote good concise tip there you mentioned gloria you've been married for a long time you've uh-huh. been through struggles addiction and everything but you're still together and that's yes. pretty uncommon in this business so what do you attribute that to
0: well, you know we're still in love. I mean, we—I uh, love her as much today as I ever have, and I think she is still in love with me. And uh, she could always see me for who I was, and not exactly how I was acting all the time. So she's she's always had that faith in me that you that you just need in a in a person. And I've always believed in her, and uh, she's she's just always been the only woman for me. So we we still love to be together. We're kind of joined at the hip, you know. We love to hang out together and do things together, and uh, and I love her.
2: That's awesome to Great hear. Great to hear. Okay, now, BJ, for every show, we have a topic. Our topic this week is a little off the wall, but our topic huh? is, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Do you have any insight in your life, what you think would be the difference between well, knowledge think, and you wisdom? know, I
0: think that uh, you know, knowledge is, is technical and wisdom is feeling. You know, sometimes uh, too technical, then you lose the, the feeling. And I think that's what people look for in music is how it makes them feel and just the even if you're playing golf if you play by field you're going to play better than if you try to play by mechanics okay. so. I think those are the big differences, and, and I I I'll, I prefer the feeling side.
2: You're hooked on a feeling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, before you go, I know you just have a few minutes left here, but we want to go through a list of true-false questions for you. Okay. Is it true you have your grandkids' names tattooed on your I arms? I have
0: my grandkids' names, and I have my, my wife's and all my children's names tattooed on my arms. That's
1: awesome. I like that. <laughs> okay, now, did Elvis Presley copy... Your vocal stylings on your version of "Bridge Over Troubled Waters" when he recorded the song.
0: Oh, uh, I don't. I don't think he uh, he really copied anybody after you know he became who who he was. Uh, I, but we we both recorded that song with the same producer and the same band, so there was some similarity there. But no, I don't think he copied me at all. No.
1: Okay. Now, when you switched over into Christian music for a while, was it true that you had audiences walk out?
0: Yeah, that would be like that. That would be a long, long uh, story that I want that we could uh, get into sometime. But there was some resistance to me then because I was the first, uh, you know, mainstream pop artist that started making gospel music aside from Elvis. You know, Elvis was the greatest gospel singer of his time, mm-hmm. and uh, so there was some resistance to me and how I looked and. Uh, the fact that I, you know, that I didn't become a preacher or just limit myself to gospel music. I like, I like to sing all kinds of music. Mm-hmm. So there was some heartbreak there and uh, some drama, and I'll have to write a book about that someday. That'll be a That's good one. Good. <laughs> and
1: did you have water dumped on your head in the Ed Sullivan Show?
0: Yeah, well, when I did the Ed Sullivan Show, the, the director, who was Ed's son-in-law, Bob Precht, he had the idea that when I was singing raindrops, that it should rain on me. And the only way they could do that was put holes in the bottom of a bucket. So it was like really just pouring water on me. But then, then when, when they had walked over, it would stop. And then it would start again when they had walked away. So I, so I had to do that for dress rehearsal. And I could hardly get my hair dry by showtime. But it, 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 it was pretty, pretty nuts.
1: That's the things character. we do for art, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. B- BJ, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really enjoyable chat and such a great career, and it's wonderful to hear you chat about it.
0: Thank you very much. You guys were so interesting and, and exciting to talk to, and all the best to you, and then uh, all my love, and I'll see you soon. I hope.
1: Thanks, BJ. great, BJ, thank you.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. (laughs) And lots of great advice from a musical legend. Well, we'll be right back with, get this, a state-of-the-art recording studio in Alma, Nebraska. It's the Mulberry Lane Show. Don't go anywhere.
2: But first, we're going to take it a break with a cut off of B.J. Thomas' new CD. Here's Don't Worry Baby off of the Living Room
0: Sessions. (laughs) Don't worry. Everything's gonna be alright Don't worry, baby Each morning I wake and find the sunlight softly shine